You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast. We're at season 10, episode 75 which I think is about the same amount of time that Celtic have been without a manager, 75 days, something like that. Um, so we have a podcast of of the ages, really. Uh, we've got some guys on who have not been on since, well, they have been on recently, but guys on from season one, going back. Um, guys on from the forum, which is where this podcast originated from. And then we've got some, some of the newer crowd as well. So... At the moment, we've got a sit-aside team going, uh, but I think we might have rolling subs later on. We'll see how it goes. So, yeah, you know I'm John. We've got the other John, who has been also hosting this season in terms of the guest specials, and we've been pulling it together really, haven't we? Yeah, we've been doing a good job this season. It's been, it's been great. That's one of the reasons why we've got to 75. It's like you've done one shift and I've done the other. It's been good. Yeah, it's been good, yeah. Um, so, first guest that we've got who promised that he would return last week regardless of his out but is the only one of us that's got anything to sing about this season from a domestic point of view <laughs> Nori how you doing daft question I am <laughs> oh I'm rotten miserable no actually it's fantastic <laughs> fantastic uh, weekend that was fantastic year it's been COVID aside yeah now I've had a a message from Police Scotland, which was quite concerning actually before the podcast. They're asking about whoever it was that knocked down the wheelie bin in Perth on Saturday night. Is it true it was you? No comment, as they no say comment. in line of duty. No comment. Is it disturbing scenes? I think there was some leaves out of place <laughs> as well. The Callum Davison do another <laughs> belly flop, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's about as violent as it gets in Perth, though, isn't it? Um, but I think there was a few of them up at up at the ground with like smoke flares and all that kind of thing. But absolutely nothing like what you've seen in Glasgow the week oh, before, yeah. obviously. But but uh, yeah, R.I.P. the wheelie bin. Aye, and talking to flares, a man that's no stranger to flares, Greg. An OG, <laughs> an OG. Season one, you are an OG member. If we're talking again about. Uh, on my indoor line of duty is OCG. But how are you doing, Greg? Are you good? Hi, uh, good mate. I flares for the 70s. That's, that's my career. I must be oh, right. the steer, I think. I mean, this is like a third time around for flares for me. <laughs> um, we have Scott from Footybog Net. How are you doing, Scott? I'm good, thanks. Uh, good to be back. Good to be back. Keeping busy? Very. Yeah, I'm too busy. You're putting the videos out like global video. Right, get into the Euros, haven't they? Make my dough. Make my dough, aye, make your dough indeed. Uh, and we have the legend. We're calling you the legend. And people will find out in about a week's time or so about why you are the legend. Chris, how you doing? Hi, I'm good. I'll get this in early. I do apologise to everybody. The joke I was making for years actually came true that I said if I drop off this podcast that'll be the year Celtic lose the league well I was going to bring that up Chris so cheers for stealing that off the script um, yeah we, we did always say the podcast was basically Celtic night in a row you were going to gear up jestingly you said you were sacking it if Celtic stopped winning titles and then I spat the dummy out 
it's all my fault. So if, I, I, if, I, only I, Brendan, if only Brendan Rodgers was in charge of Right, this. right, mute. <laughs> I can mute you. We've had this discussion before. And it's it's be the all... shortest discussion ever, though, because, yeah. Probably. Nah, it's horrible, isn't it, when Scott's right? It does happen quite a lot, to be fair. <laughs> I like to think so. We will keep the ego, stroke the ego, and all that. Yeah, um, takes a big man to back when he's wrong. So yeah. Yes. Um, and as I said at the start, we should have hopefully some guys join us later on. So we shall see how this goes. Where this sits on the podcast. Uh, aye. It'll be like a bunch of naughty school children. I'm looking at you and thinking, who can I pick on next? So where do we start? I feel like the season has been like a season in about. An extra three months because last season felt like it blended in a wee bit. But well, it did. <laughs> well, aye, it did. However, we're not talk about it because that's only the way you're going to get to talk about Celtic winning a trophy. <laughs> so we'll just talk about this season, right? And where do we start? COVID. Who's he? Who's he I reckon up? it's been a while since I've dropped an F-bomb, but fuck COVID. What a bloody disaster it's been, isn't it? With football. Yeah. Who I'm thought we'd have gone a full season without any of us getting to a game? I don't think. Has anyone been at a game? Managed to get to a game? No. 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 We should have been. We should have been at Hamden Park, I think. There's 60,000 seats in there. And there's only about, what, 7,000 Saints fans. And probably, you probably could have got another 7,000 Hibs fans in there quite safely. Yeah. I think. Or you could have moved it to Murrayfield or you could have moved it to Tynecastle or any of these places, especially when you look at um, the likes of the Dundee Kilmarnock game last night that had 500 fans in it. We weren't allowed any. I've all. never heard so, rugby parks all loud. <laughs> it was all booze as well, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. um, aye, a bit of a shocker. Um, I forgot to say, Craig, directed a podcast and he couldn't make it. I don't know, said something about going to George Square, let's see some bears. <laughs> I love it, Gold. Is he locked up from George Square? Is that what happened? Don't know, but Greg, Greg I think you, you've got uh, his note, sick note. Aye, well, I mean, I, I'm not sure if he was at George Square, but let's put it this way. I know for a fact he was in Manchester a few years ago. So, listen, like, I'm not saying there's a, there's a real coincidence there with you know, both these venues and a lot of trouble, but I'm pretty sure he might have been at both of them. But no, he was... Um, He's a he's a kind of full time part time streamer these days, so he's he's on Twitch and he he's channel on Twitch. So um, because he, he does things like a hundred percent of the time, he doesn't do things by half. He decided to get spare room. Um, he decided to get the plasterboard replaced in his spare room, so he's putting special soundproofing plasterboard in. Right, okay. He's done that a couple of weeks ago, and then he tried to plaster walls himself. Made a total arse of it. So he was spending last night scraping the plaster off and tonight he had a, he had a plasterer coming around to sort out his mess. So that's why he's not on the podcast. It's not to do with a gym or anything else. It's to do with his <laughs> pathetic DIY. Is it true that he's twitching S&M? No. <laughs> I thought <laughs> like it was a, a safe room. Hi, well, I, I, I don't know. I mean, if you, if you jump on his channel, then uh, I'm sure he'd be glad they're extra followers and subscribers. I could give him a wee punt on here, but I'm not going to bother because... Uh, he doesn't deserve it for oh, what I'm doing. Give him a shout out. Give him the game it. We'll give him it. Right, so if, you, if you're on Twitch, we're like on the young team. If you go and follow Disco 5000, you'll see my main man Craig on there. So jump in there, give him a follow, subscribe to his channel. I'm sure he'll be delighted. Aye. And if you're expecting to see someone that looks like Jarvis Cocker, 
Willow Flood. That's all we'll say. Willow Flood. Moby. <laughs> Moby. <laughs> Moby. Uh, the young team won't know Moby, will they? They'll be thinking, ah, oh, Moby. So, aye, COVID. Fans. I get excited the other week because I got to see the boys. Uh, boy coaches. He coached an under-10s team. I was delighted. But it was not a goal to the last minute. Last minute winner. Who could have said there was the atmosphere? <laughs> it was the biggest, biggest crowd I've seen this season. But, pff, aye, there was a fair few after it anyway. That's well with them. No, there was loads. Um, so aye, the season started with the Soul, soul 8, wasn't it? Yeah, the Soul 8. There was 8. Craig Bryson's career looked over. How did that one work out, Nori? That worked out reasonably well, I would say, yeah. Who would have thought Craig Bryson would have started the season and get two cups? I mean, we were hoping, John, that he would get two cups. He's a quality player, even if he is 106. He's a quality player. Yeah, um, I don't know what you've have done to get him fit, but we couldn't manage it. (laughs) Um, I don't know. He is playing, so... Yeah, well, he is getting thrown in, and he is getting he is getting game time. So I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what the difference is between the two clubs. I don't know if it's perhaps we're on the training pitch. We maybe cut him some slack. Someone, someone's planting CBD in Perth. Or that it could be that. It's most likely that. I <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable, Craig Bryson. It just have a lot to cause injuries at his age, on because we were delighted when he signed. Remember. How pleased we were when he signed. I think even Rangers fans and Celtic fans kind of thought, oh, it's no bad sign for Aberdeen. Um, and just, yeah, he just could not get fit at all. He and doesn't look he's... like a footballer. When you look at him, you think, who's this guy? He doesn't really have the build of a footballer, I don't think. He's just this kind of beanpole. He's not that tall. Um, but ah, he puts himself about in the middle of the park quite a bit. And if you, you look at the... You do wonder though, if it is down to management, if it is judges down to kind of listen, don't really turn up for this day of training and just do as little as possible and all the rest of it. And maybe at Aberdeen, they were they expected too much from, well, just a change of environment. You know that can change a player as well, and it was just that's all he needed. Something yeah, I mean, on the shoulder. At his age, you do need to be careful. You can't be playing ninety minutes three times a week. Um, so I think they were just. You need them that. sensible about how we use them. Nor you need them that for next season in Europe. I know, I know we've got, <laughs> I don't know how this squad's going to cope. We've only got, the, you know, the bare bones really. So throw in an extra few European games. And wouldn't like to see how that's going to go. Oh, yours will be fine, I think. Yeah. I mean, you're running the Folk keep on asking what can they do next season to better it. Treble, isn't it? Or just win the Europa League or Conference League, which are on the ranks. I can't keep up with the competitions, Chris. Oh, can't wait till you tell us about the Conference League, Chris. Get get out of the way now, because listeners, if you're you're in for a treat here. So we thought we were going to get a guaranteed place, didn't we, in Europa League because of the Europa League playoff. The if you lost, you were in the Conference League group stages. Tremendous. Result for whoever it would be, St. Johnson. Three million pound guaranteed. We were even talking about this last Monday, weren't we? Aye, we were. And to be honest, I kind of had the money spent already. 
<laughs> so, I, uh, yeah, I was doing my own fantasy football in my head, but uh, that's that's on the back burner now. So, well, just I, I don't know if you look at the list of clubs that we might be playing. You're looking at Galatasaray. And, I mean, I kind of keep track of how this all works and who finishes where in different countries and what game we're actually going to be playing in which round. But it looks like we've got a a, a pretty hard time ahead of us if, if what we think is going to happen is going to happen yeah. and if we do get a team like Galatasaray then I mean it's a tremendous tie but it's uh, it's going to be hard Aye Chris can you sum up what's happening? Basically UEFA decided they were going to prioritise cup winners in the Europa League so because it's the first season coming up of the, the Conference League, there's no title holder Conference League position in the Europa League. So then they moved a couple of teams up. Now, originally what they did was they left three Champions League dropouts and one cup winner in the, the third round of the Europa League. But they've since changed that so that what they're going to have is three and three. And by that, that meant St. Johnson didn't get the promotion that we all thought they were getting into the playoff round and they've brought across the separate cup winners from the, the conference league and then Aye. based that as well. So I understand why UEFA did it, but to do it at this kind of late stage was a bit of a kick in the teeth. The thing I don't understand, right, see if they're bringing this third entry European tournament to give the clubs in smaller countries a chance, why are clubs not just automatic from the smaller league getting straight in the group stages? Like... But- Probably because they're trying to actually help out the bigger teams because you've got teams like Spurs in the Conference League next season. I you said big te- I thought you said big teams. So, but, they, they, <laughs> but they always dress up that way as if they're helping the smaller countries and then once it actually gets going and you start working out what everything happens, it's always the same. They protect their own, the valuable ones, and then they kind of just good luck to the rest of them. So it's always been the same. There's enough parachutes there that you just know that the, the Conference League final is going to be recognisable names just as the Europa League final this year's Man United and Villarreal and the, the Champions League finals, obviously, Man City and Chelsea. So There's that many parachutes there's talk that European football next week will be sponsored by RAF. I was doing well. I thought I was doing well tonight. See, as soon as you said, see, as soon as you said that first word, I seen it in your eyes. You saw, you know the glory. Raz Lass is going to end terribly. Right for the first word. I reckon I'm about five out of six so far with the jokes that have gone down pretty well. So I'll take that. The weirdest has to be the one with the Champions League. Because if you see, like, Rangers have gone into the Champions League third qualifying round. If they don't win that, then they drop into Europa League playoff round. Celtic, on the other hand, are in the second qualifying round of the Champions League. If they get up to the third qualifying round, the same level as Rangers get to and lose there, they drop into Europa League group stages. They skip the playoff round. There's a there's a disparity between the Champions path and the league path and the Champions League qualifying, which actually benefits Celtic over Rangers. You'd think it would be the other way around. It's all been a current plan, isn't it? This was Lennon's oh, plan all it. alone. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> they knew this was happening. No, Peter Lawwell, he knew that was happening. He's like, right, okay, boys, off the gas, get set in place. I've had words with UEFA. That's what we're doing. <laughs> but see, if you lose in the Europa, if you lose in the Europa League playoff, do you then drop into this conference league? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so Rangers so, could go in three European competitions in one season. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> but that guarantees three, three 
ties already for them. Yeah, the, the best of it is Celtic have that same guarantee, but if Celtic lose the second qualifying round and the third qualifying round of the uh, Europa League and then the playoff round to the Conference League, they could lose three European trophies <laughs> before August. <laughs> and given that they currently have no manager, they've only just got a new CEO in the door, there's half the squad's going to be disappearing. You could kind of see that happening. Well, it's just deja vu. I mean, that's how Celtic seem to operate. They operate after August, so it's just that they stopped a bit earlier this time. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting to hear that. I always think it's more. It's interesting to hear the views of non-old firm fans. When we look at, we all love. Let's face it, as a non-old firm fan, we love when at least when one of the old firm, if I can still call them that, sorry, are struggling big time. Greg, talk to me. In terms of in terms of this season in the ten, it's absolutely delicious watching Celtic lose the ten. This season, <laughs> the only the only downside is. Rangers benefit for that. So yeah. Most most non firm fans will tell you if there's a perfect outcome, it's both of them suffering. Can you really get that this season? But I mean I think I was I was talking to somebody the other night about um just the football and that and no being a lot of moral fan. I was just saying, you know, I don't care about MDC, Scottish football is the best league in the world. It just is. Who could have predicted that after all this all this stuff over the last nine years in Celtic, I mean cruising cruising leagues and cruising cups, who could have predicted they would lose the 10? I mean, and surely all this all this build-up was towards getting the 10. Who could have scripted that outcome? It's it's absolutely... I've been savouring it all season. I, I think it's just... For Scottish football, I think it's just fantastic because you've then... You've nipped that... You've nipped that thing in the bud of one team crowing over the other one because that's, that's what it was going to be. It was going to be insufferable because one had done the 10... Are now both stuck around the nine, so everybody else can just take a sigh of relief, and we don't need to listen to that pish probably ever <laughs> again. So for me, I think it's it's just spot on. Loved it. Been a great season for that point of view. One team terrible watching that. Great. It's all garbage anyway. Who cares about ten in a row? Glasgow City have got thirteen going for fourteen. I've seen you recently um, tweet about Glasgow women Celtic team more than the men's team. Yeah. <laughs> It's because they're better at it. Yeah. <laughs> three times they've played Rangers this season, three times they've won. In, in terms of a way to you know, throw away a title, um, a title defence, Celtic didn't have to in spectacular fashion. You know, At least when you know, when Rangers were trying to go for the 10, they took it to the final game despite being crap most of the season. But the way Celtic just yeah, collapsed was just incredible this season. But yet they, they were still r- runaway runners up because Hibs and Aberdeen were shit. Yeah, that, that, that was. Oh, the... did you swear? Yeah, no. <laughs> That's good. Don't yes, swear, but yeah, that, you're right. The, the the difference between winning twelve consecutive trophies and then going into this season and being absolutely nowhere any nowhere near any of them at all. I mean, like, the the failure has been absolutely spectacular, and I don't think anybody could have predicted it would be so bad. Well, I think that's you know the difference between Rangers. You know, in our lifetime, losing their 10 in a row attempt was, you could see why. They were, they were an agent squad, they were there too long, and even then they lost it in the last day. This time, just nobody even gave it a real thought in well, August that it was ever going to happen. You know, the, 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 looking at the two squads at the start of the season, Celtic still had the struggle squad. I said uh, on this podcast right at the start that it was actually Celtics to lose. And that's how it kind of 
seemed as if it unfurled. Now, don't get me wrong, Rangers did everything right in terms of going throughout the season without losing in the league, but the the fact that Celtic just seemed to throw it away so early was just crazy. And go back to, to one of your earlier points about, you know, it's for, for the kind of non-firm fans, it actually was almost the perfect season because, yes, you know, one of, the, one of Rangers and Celtic did win the league and it stopped the other one for one and nine. But then St. Johnson won the two cups and that became the story at the end of the season rather than Rangers even winning the league. Aye, St. Johnson, St. Johnson have almost eclipsed Rangers' achievement of stopping in the 10, which... It's just brilliant because that's what people are talking about now. Whereas up to that point, all we were hearing about was Stephen Gerrard stopping the tenor, that rubbish, and that's been eclipsed now by what St Johnston have done. Because okay, what Rangers have done, we'll get, we'll go down it. There'll be a footnote in history about it. But what St Johnston have just done, that's up there with anything anybody's achieved in Scotland ever. And you, you're talking, you think about your Dundee Nineties and your Aberdeens. For me, that level of achievement, it's, it's up on that level. Whereas Rangers winning the league against a Celtic side that were capitulating on the park and were just an absolute laughing stock off the park as well. It does temper a wee bit. Like you are saying, if it goes to the last game of the season, it's Haber and Tong and one edge is another out. It's a different situation, but that, I mean, Celtic barely, barely laid at Loving Rangers this year. It was as, as easy a title win as you'll see. Quick show of hands then. We've discussed it a couple, the last couple of weeks. That's a good thing for a Callum David, Callum Davidson, manager here. Without question. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah, I said if he won the if he won the, the two cups, then yeah, it would be manager of the year. I think I think when you consider that St Johnson have the third lowest budget in the league and they've gone and won the cup double, which is something that only Rangers Celtic and Aberdeen have managed to do. It's just incredible. And you know, I, I'm I can't remember if you asked the question now last week. Um but for me, Callum Davison now goes down to St Johnson's greatest ever manager, given he, who he was falling on. I think it's just an incredible achievement. This must yeah, be music, doesn't it? No doubt. I'm just oh. soaking it all up. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, can't right, even, right, he can't even have a drink as well just now because his missus. I mean, this could be a podcast special. A first birth on the podcast. Well, I'll shout her down and see if she's ready. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you need to get Callum Davidson a call because I'm sure he'd love that, no? Hey. Oh. <laughs> no, that's, that's how you do it, John. <laughs> so uh, I know he's, um, in my opinion, he's in the, this year, this one year, he is quite obviously the best manager we've ever had. And I think you have to throw into the mix here as well. But not only that, he came through our youth ranks, moved on from Mega Box, gave us a fair bit of money in the bank at the time, which stabilised us to kind of the 90s, early noughties. Um, then he came back as a, as a coach, uh, assistant manager, won the Scottish Cup with Tommy Wright, went away, came back again, and here he is winning the Cup double and effectively ending Celtic's domination when they won the League Cup, um, which was a beautiful feeling. Um, I, I think, personally, in my view, that, OK, Gerard's not lost a game this season, but I said this last week, I think with that Rangers team and that budget, I could probably have went through this season unbeaten where the state Celtic was in. Yep. Um, you're going to so, be coaching next year with Kevin Harper, aren't you? Dream team. That's right. That's right. I don't think Kevin's all that pleased with that scenario, but... Aye, well, he's, not gonna, he's not going to be happy with, Ke- with him having been number two and you're number one, I think. He, I know. He's hoping know. for the number one role, but... Forget <laughs> it. He'll get used to it. He'll get used to it. We need to put... So, 
we didn't put it out there as well, sorry to interrupt, Nori, but surely there's going to be a statue of Callum Davidson outside McDermott Park. Already, you could say. He was already a legend as a player. Well, it's it remarkable. Would be nice. It would be nice, yeah. Um, I think he said it, he had an interview after the game, though, and he said, this is fantastic, I'm really enjoying it, but in three months' time, I could be the worst manager ever. Um, and I think that's a pretty good outlook <laughs> to have, because it's true, especially with our fickle fans. Um, but as things stand at the moment, I would not be adverse to moving on to a, a Premiership team in England or a top of the Championship or whatever, and not sullying what he's done this year, which is a real possibility. Because how do you how do you top that? How do you even equal this? It's, See, uh, I, think, I, I think you know, looking throughout the season, he had to first of all change the outlook of the players and how he wanted to set up and things like that. And then he got so once they bought into that, or once it all gelled together, it just went and took off, skyrocketed. And you know, I'm thinking to myself, well. Keep on doing it. You know, let's see what happens then if you try that for another season. You, you know, you have the players getting more used to it. It could be like Kamarnock with Steve Clark. It just gains momentum. Now, obviously, Kamarnock's gone totally the, right, the wrong direction since then. But, you know, I, I think he seems such a clever coach to, to be able to, to do that, to be able to change the mindsets of the, of the whole club to, to get into the way he wanted to, to play. Uh, which was always always nice in the eye whenever I watched uh, St George in this season. And, I, I, you know, I'd be... Uh, obviously, the only problem is if somebody does come in and try and poach them and, you know, you're in that situation where money talks. But if that doesn't happen, then I'd be looking forward to next season. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I, I was speaking to um, Colin McCready um, earlier in the season and we were talking about um, Davidson's appointment. He says that he was basically the only one that could have come in after Tommy Wright because of how well he knows the club. But for him to do what he's done is just incredible. And at the weekend there, St. John's were by far the better team. They could have actually won that by two or three. Obviously, they missed a penalty. But um, other than the Jackson Urban chance in the first half, Hibs created absolutely nothing in the game. And it got so desperate that Martin Boyle decided to take a dive. And it was quite a pathetic dive, to be perfectly honest. Um, but does Sean Rooney now go to squad number 32? That's... that's. I, I'm involved with a, another podcast, the Dogger Saints podcast, and that's our latest campaign, is to get him squad number 32 for next year. Um, because of his two 30-second-minute goals, of course, in both cup finals. What, what a season for him. I was asking the boy before I said, we're doing the, the bumper podcast, who's assigning the season? And we kind of narrowed it down to Kevin Nesbitt and Sean Rooney. Which I think would maybe be fair enough. I, I would I would still have Kyle Lafferty in there. I know it hasn't well, worked. Aye, aye. Marnock, but I think Kamarnock were going straight down if it was well, what about, uh, Shane Duffy for Rangers? <laughs> well, we've got, hey, him, we've got him definitely as a worst pound for pound signing. See, see when people were talking about what Celtic could achieve this season, so many people pointed out, oh, well, Shane Duffy, he'll be the man that uh, settles everything at the back of Celtic. <laughs> Absolute minch. Next club captain, people were thinking. I, I was, yeah, people were talking him up. I think people were talking him up. Because he was Irish, so that obviously gave you uh, a, a bunch of bonus points in the eyes of Celtic fans. And because he came for the English Premier League, and that played, was a, that was enough. But it when played he, totally he, different. This is what people don't understand. At Brighton, especially when he played for Brighton, they played a total different type of football. They were on the back foot. They had to defend, defend, defend. 
And then as soon as Graham Potter came in and changed the way they played, what did they play on the deck and all the rest of it? That's when Duffy had to, to go elsewhere looking for a team. And then he came to Celtic and that's not what Celtic needed. And it just totally fell on its ass. Let's be positive. Who's the best sign of the season? Well, probably the, the two that you've suggested, I would suggest. It would, it would be between mm. those two. Uh, you know, Nesbitt's gone to now going to the Euros. That's how good he's been. Um, but then Rooney probably, you know, could you get better than scoring two cup finals? And he seems a nice big guy. Do you know the thing? Like quite often, football teams you look at other teams and you hate players and you hate teams. I don't like St. Johnson. You seem like you've got a decent group of guys there, not just good footballers, but decent guys. They want to play football and are. They're loving the best I mean, life, aren't they? They're loving their best life just now. They're just a good, close-knit group of young guys. A lot of them have came through the, the youth system together, of course, so that, that's probably a big part of it. Um, but I think if you're talking about signings that have made a difference, you could potentially throw in Middleton from Rangers to us as well. Um, he's done remarkably well since he came in. He's obviously won a couple of cups. He's scored a couple of important goals. Rooney... Did well on the Betfred, scored the winner, scored the winner in the Scottish Cup final, but it was a bit patchy in the league before that. Um, as much as I love the man, uh, being completely honest, he didn't play for the first half of the season. Aye, but that's a remarkable thing as well. Aye. He only came in, had a few good games in the Betfred, then got injured, came back, was a bit ropey uh, when he came back, but he was played out of position for a while. Um, and then, obviously, had a blinder in the, the Scottish Cup final, so... He's had a good season, but is he the best signing of the year? Not sure. Personally, I would say Nisbet has been the, the signing of the season for the impact he's had at Hibs. But um, a, a guy that came in in January, it's um, done very well, Greg will know him, Liam Kelly. Because um, before then, Motherwell didn't have a goalkeeper. It was going off the boy, Chapman. I remember seeing him against Hamilton. He was absolutely murdered. And then they brought Kelly in. And um, you saw that was a guy that was had a bit of class and goal. Apart from the one, there was only one game I, I saw that he didn't have a good one as it come on, but other than that, he's been solid and so much so that he was knocking on the door of a, the, the Euro squad and obviously didn't quite make it. Aye, I mean, he's, I don't want to go as far as to say he's kept us in the league because I think you know, there's others that contributed as well. Devante Cole went on a good run, yeah. just sort of post split and got some goals. But yeah, I mean, Kelly cropped up with half a dozen incredible saves in games, games where it's one nothing, nothing each. So, I mean, they're, they're really, really crucial ones. And you're right, the two guys that we had in before them were absolutely murder. I mean, uh, unbelievable that they were that they were even selected to, to play in goals. For Greg, if you, if you look at January and you look at you, you guys in Kamarnock, he's probably the main difference then, you know, was the goalkeeper, because you look at Kamarnock's goalkeeping and, Aye. you know, they've been a trip atrocious pretty much all season. So that's, you know, that, that could be such a big boost to a club to keep, keep a club up because... You need a really dependable, strong number one because that confidence for the rest of the team just uh, invaluable. Ironically enough, it wasn't. I mean, that wasn't a Graham Alexander signing. Kelly's deal had been agreed, I think, prior to Robinson just going. I think it kind of, I think they kind of crossed paths. So it was obviously one that he'd sanctioned back then because he'd clearly spotted that the two guys that we brought in were, were nowhere near good enough. Um, so I, he's, I mean, out of the, the kind of six or seven players we signed in January, he's one of the few that really sticks out as being having made a positive contribution the rest of them were a bit hit and miss generally miss one or two of them country but fully played for a couple of games but 
Um, I, there's no doubt that in terms of, like from a Motherwell point of view, he was his Motherwell's best signing this season. He was pretty close to player of the year, which given that he only played, you know, maybe a dozen games, tells you all you need to know about the about the, about the season we've had. Aye, when you were last on, Greg, I think you were quite confident in saying that you'd be happy for most of the squad to be punted. And as we know today, you've got about 14 players are underway, aren't they? Plus, Aye, plus the, the loan signage you had as well on top of that. Aye, there's, there's been a pretty big clear out. And I don't, you ask any Motherwell fan, I mean, some of the football we've watched this season has been, been absolutely dreadful. I mean, I don't, it's not helping not being on the ground. I think when you're watching these, these games streaming on the TV, I think you notice a bit more and you're a bit more critical. But, um, it's been you more like, critical? No, I know. I know. I can bear, I can bear that to some of the punters up at, up at Fort Park <laughs> on a Saturday. But um, no, it's, it's starting a season with a squad that we thought looked pretty comfortable for a top six finish. I mean, they've just numerous people in that squad have just not delivered. And you know, there's some of them that I'm sad to see the back. You know, Alan Campbell obviously goes and yeah, um, a brilliant player for Motherwell up there, and, and you know, a guy that came through the youth ranks and did really well, but. You know, for every Alan Campbell, there's a Chris Long or a, you know, um, Harry Robinson and Jamie Semples and guys, or Ian Polworth, who chucked the, the toys at the pram in January. Declan Gallagher, who, frankly, Aberdeen are welcome to Declan Gallagher. You can, you can have him. I'll drive him up there myself. <laughs> and, you know, we've... We've also we've still some of the guys we've retained in the squad I'm not a big fan of either. So I wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me completely if even some of the ones that are still in the squad we, we actively try and move on before the start of next season. Because it needs a complete a complete reboot. It's it's been horrendous. It's interesting because if we talk about reboots of squads, I think the whole league, apart from maybe Rangers, St Johnston, St Mirren Hibs, I think there'll be Aye. a lot of reboots. Because Aberdeen, if you look at Aberdeen, we've got about twelve players signed for that season. Maybe a wee bit more than that now with the, the likes of Brown Gallagher coming in, but massive rebuilding job as well. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens up at um, Pataudry and what Stephen Glass is going to do because if, um, in the seven games we only won, that he's been in so far, we've only won two. And the way we, I say, performed in that cup tie, that, would, <laughs> that, that was not a performance at all. That's supposed to be a, a bunch of players that's um, playing for a cup semi-final and playing for a new contract, and they couldn't even get themselves up for that. So that tells you everything you need to know about the mentality of that squad. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a big test in time for Aberdeen next season. Well, I mean, I've been looking at things online and folk are talking about a full new starting 11 that season, which is what it's going to look like, especially with the news there in the week, Lewis Ferguson. Not a big surprise, I don't think, that if he leaves this summer. But I was maybe surprised he handed in a transfer request. Yeah, obviously he's been advised by his agent. I mean, we had that with Scott McKenna a couple of years ago, remember? Um, because they think a bid's been turned down that they're not going to get the move. Well, at the end of the day, if Watford, with all their millions, want to just try and spend $1.2 million um, on Lewis Ferguson, when, who's got a three-year contract, um, well, they can they can do one. Just put in the right offer and we'll, you know, we'll talk. It's just... Well, yeah, the fear be, is that it's not Watford that he goes to. That's the fear. Like, cause, I mean, let's be, face it, he's been getting linked with Rangers for probably since he signed for us. Hi. But to be fair to him, we always say about players with the dark hearts, with agents and all the rest of it, at least he has come out and said he has a transfer request. You know, the, the amount of times that we've, you know, watched players kind of make comments to papers and then their agents make comments to papers and nobody actually 
with Hanston a transfer request because they lose loyalty payments or whatever it is. You know, it, 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 the good thing for Aberdeen's point of view is he's, he's tied down to a contract, so they don't need to honour, you know, any transfer request and it's still firmly in their court and how much they want for him. So I, I, I've got no problem with them handing out a transfer request. Uh, if I was an Aberdeen fan, I, I would be wanting, you know, over three million for him. I think it's yeah. fair enough to ask for that as well. Like when you look at the players, like so, and we spoke last week, no, they didn't we? About players going down south, and maybe it's not. There's a revival of happening now. We're seeing players go down there, and English clubs now know they can come up to Scotland and get a bargain. But a bargain is going to do well. The perfect example, obviously, is John McGinn. Like mm. John McGinn now valuation because of the prices are so crazy down there. You would get probably as crazy as it sounds, forty million maybe for McGinn. Like potentially, Doy's getting looked at at Hibs, um, and folk just come up here and think they'll get a bargain. Yeah, and that's a lot to do with the players, as you say. McGinn's doing well. Gilmore's obviously was younger, but still went down from Scotland. He's now nineteen, getting games for Chelsea. Um, you know, you go back to all the way back to kind of Van Dyke in this current moment in time, Andrew Robertson and stuff. They do see that these players are actually holding their own and you know, going further up the league. So I think, yeah, if I was Aberdeen, you know, I wouldn't entertain a, a kind of 1.2 million bid. I think that is kind of derisory. But, you know, I can see why a club would be interested in Ferguson because he's a, he has been a pretty decent performer for the last couple of years at Pittsburgh and he has got that potential to do well down south. What I'd be interested to know, because I know he gets a fair bit of stick in terms of maybe the type of player he has from opposition teams. Nori, Greg... Chris, what do you think of Ferguson as a player? It's a dirty <laughs> bar steward. Uh, my, my personal view is that uh, I'd probably quite like him in my team, but um, I absolutely detest playing against him. Um, he's just got all the wee tricks to break up the play and break up the game, and that's what you want in your side, isn't it? We've got Murray Davidson does the same kind of thing, and Ali McCann does something similar as well. Um so he's just frustrating to play against. And yeah, he's probably worth more than 1.2 million, I would think. I think I think it's just a bit depressing when you get teams like likes of Watford coming in with bids like that because they know they're not going to get them for that sort of money. So it's clearly just a means of unsettling the player, almost forcing hand, his hand a wee bit to stick in a transfer request. And as soon as you get, as soon as you get a player fired a transfer request, then it's kind of game over at that point. I mean, Okay, not 100% of the time, but to come back for that and then you'll continue to play next season for Aberdeen when, you know, you've, you've more or less said you want to leave and you want to go somewhere else. I mean, it's, that's sort of stuff that sticks in, in supporters' throats as well. But I, I mean, I think Scott makes a good point. He's like, well, at least the boys come in and say, look, I'm looking for a move and I want to go somewhere else. And he's being honest about it. You, you look at Declan Gallagher before who... You know, clearly didn't want to be at Motherwell next season. There's a rumour that he played one more game which triggered an extension around about Christmas. He suddenly got a hamstring injury and he's not on the team. I think you just need to look at Graham Alexander's comments towards the end of last season when he was talking about players that were leaving. So he was talking about Alan Campbell. And he went on a three, four minute praising Alan Campbell to the sky and what a professional he was and what a great guy he was. And he'd always mentioned, uh, welcome back. And I think he mentioned Dick and Gallagher in about a 10 second snippet. So I think that, I mean, you know, Gallagher, I, I said this to my mate the other night, like if Gallagher had come in and said, look, this is my last chance for a big money move, 
I need to look after my family. I've not got a long career. This is my chance to get my three, four grand a week. I'm not going to get that in my little... I think a lot of people would have said, ah, fair enough, you know, that's a, we understand the reason why you're doing it. I mean, be honest with folk, don't, you know, don't kid on you get a hamstring injury and then, you know, no really feature for the end of the season and you're the club captain. It stinks. It's not good. Aye. And he's probably cost himself a place in the starting lineup in the Scotland squads because he was... Um... He was solid in that game against the Serbs. In fact, he's hardly putting a, a foot wrong in the Scotland shirt. And obviously, I'm delighted as an Aberdeen fan he's coming here. But um, as you say, I mean, it's bad from your point of view that he's hardly featured at a time when you, you guys needed him. You were fighting um, relegation at the time. So I can understand why you think that way. But um, from his point, I know he's got a, um, a young family as well to think about. So, But as you say, just come out and be honest and say, this is the last chance for a, a big move. Um, but then if you're going to get a good move, maybe you're better playing well. As well, but is, is, is Aberdeen a big move? That's if you're not yeah. featuring in, in, in the side and you're, you've got the Euros coming up, you know. And I don't, Stevie Clark doesn't strike me as the type of guy that I don't think it would, I don't think he would necessarily not play him. But if there's suspicions around his availability and injuries and attitude, Stevie Clark doesn't strike me as the type of guy that would be entertaining that. Don't this time he's the type of guy who would want that in his squad. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know the ins and outs of the Gallagher thing, but I know certainly round about here he's, he's left under a bit of a cloud, which is a shame because he was brilliant for us last season. He was phenomenal last season. And, and I remember all the, the goodwill when he got into the Scotland squad. People around here were thrilled for him. And unfortunately, a lot of that's kind of dissipated over the last few well, which is a shame. It's a shame for everybody. shame for a boy because, you know, I don't grudge anybody a career in football and you're playing for your country and I'm sure he was made up about it, but. You know, I think it's. I think everybody's just glad it's kind of done now. And he's, he's he's moved on. Yeah, go be yourself, Chris, in terms of Ferguson, and then maybe moving on with Greg talking about Alan Campbell. I've seen in the last few days some Celtic fans online saying maybe go for Campbell. He's available in a free. He's played with Turnbull before. Yeah, I've seen a few people suggesting. That. I've seen a few people suggest we go for uh, Ferguson as well. Actually, I don't really see that one happening given the the family history of Ferguson, but. Um... Stranger things have happened, I guess. Now, I find I find Ferguson to be a bit inconsistent at times, actually. But I think that might be just a problem in the Aberdeen team as a whole, to be honest. Uh, there's quite a few team players in there that are, are, are relatively inconsistent. So. But there's no doubt he's a talent. I mean, on, on his day, he, he can pop up with the goals that you need. And I remember, the, was it Burnley you played? Yeah, second game. Goals well. that, yeah, I mean, that was, that was just kind of his breakthrough, really. So yeah, I, 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 I rate him, um, but I do think you'd have to, you'd have to up his consistency quite a bit. I think, uh, especially if he's playing it with somebody like what's the other if if he even draw it, it's a disaster. Yeah, I think John would agree with me in this that his problem has probably been that he's been asked to play so many different roles in midfield. He's never kind of nailed down right. What am I? My holes in midfield or attacking midfield or box to box? I still swear he's a box to box midfielder all day long. Up and down all day, he's terrific, but he's not a defend. He's not a holding midfielder. He's not good enough. He's not a good enough passer of the ball. I don't think to be a holding midfielder in terms of where we wanted to play. He's Aye, not a number not... ten. I think he's an eight. If you go, Aye, he's... go back. Yeah, he's a box. He's a box to box player. And I don't think Aberdeen play that type of formation. We play mainly um, two set midfielders and a number ten, and he's neither of those. So um, trying to fit him, him, him in the team is um, quite hard at times. But I think what also didn't help was that um, there was a, 
a few Scotland under twenty one players came back, um, and there was the COVID issues. A couple of them had COVID, and then there was a the close contact. So he was one of them that couldn't play, and there could um, Ross McCurry. And I don't think either they've been the same since then. I think Ferguson was getting close at his best towards the end of the season. Then McCurry was asked to play different positions. Because um, McCrory at that point was looking like being the same this season, but I don't think his form has been the same as I said. But yeah, Ferguson, I still think he'll be a good sign for whoever takes him up. But Alan Campbell, I think, is going to be a good sign for someone. But I think Mother will still get some form of compensation because he was un- he's under 24. Uh, I think it's only if he goes abroad that he doesn't get it. I think it depends what league he ends up in, but we'll do a development fee for him. So I, th- I think that's rumoured to be 400,000 or something, 500,000. So we'll get. Yeah, a couple of from But the interesting thing for me with Campbell is whether or not... So Alan Campbell works 10% harder than everybody else. That's why he's the player that he is, because he, he, you know, he's longer than jam, he, he, he's, he lives his life away from the pitch brilliantly. So he's. I wonder if he's operating at his maximum capacity just now. Has he got the potential to go on and be a better player than he is at the moment? I don't know. The, the only way he's going to find it, if he can do that, is to, is to make a move somewhere else and, and see if he can cut either it. You know, championship level in England or, or, or somewhere else, um, and I think you know I'd made this point to John a few weeks ago. I think Mother will rely on that we do too much at the moment. So we we put him in that side, and we know that he's going to run up and down and tackle folk and box to box. And I think that's to the detriment of his game sometimes. So it'd be good to see him get a move somewhere where he's maybe not relied on just as much to do so much running and so much of the ugly stuff in the game to see if he can. You, know, you talk about John McGinn earlier. Can he can he approach the levels of John McGinn? Is he that type of player, or is he operating at the level he's at at the moment? And that's him at 110. So maybe he doesn't he doesn't go any higher than that. But I think I think everybody's keen to see whether or not he's capable of playing at a higher level. I mean, it certainly won't be down to you know effort and application. It would only be about physical attributes and whether or not he's he's, he's got the ability to to go up a level, but um, it'd be interesting to see where he goes, what he does. I suppose the thing would be to compare Ferguson, McCampbell, and McGinn to when McGinn left Scotland. That would be the thing, but we should move on. Hibs, have Hibs had a, had a good season or not? Because for Hibs, it's missed opportunities, I think. I think so. Um, yeah, they get third and they deserve third place, um, but I think there's a whole lot of bit of regret they didn't push Celtic a bit closer because Celtic have obviously been rotten this season. I don't think Hibs have taken advantage or Aberdeen for that matter. Um, but they had two cups where it was open for them. Both Celtic and Rangers were out, Aberdeen were out, Hearts were out. Um, and they didn't take advantage. That's not in any way taking anything away from St. Johnson because they deserve to beat Hibs in both competitions. But from Hibs' point of view, with the budget that they've got and the players that they've got, um, I think it was a, a big letdown for them, the two cups. It's odd to think about it, but actually the Hibs probably blew it more in the semi-final of the League Cup than they did in the final of the Scottish Cup because they had really good opportunities in the League Cup semi, which they didn't take, mm-hmm. whereas St Johnson did take theirs. So for all, it was a 3-0 as opposed to the final, it was a 1-0. The 3-0 was probably the closer game. There was never any moment in the, the, the final that I thought Hibs looked like they were going to do anything. St Johnson looked like they had their number. So I, I, and I agree with you, I think that has been a... a Sort of season of, of missed opportunities because they, they should have got closer to Celtic because there was there was points at the what, what, kind of January time this season where I was just astonished that we were dropping points left, right, and centre, and still nobody was getting near us for that, taking the second spot off us. We should have been. Yeah, I gave I, I gave them a B when I was doing the seasons grading. 
Um, it would have went up to like an A minus had they won the cup at the weekend, but I, th- I think it's been an okay season for them. Um, but it could it, it's, it's one of those to what could have been. Yeah, I've I never been impressed with them this year. Never been impressed with them any time I've seen them. Um, I think they've flattered to deceive. I think you're right. They've got a bigger budget. They should be doing better than what they are. They certainly should have put up a, a better performance in, in both the semi-final and the final. But I didn't really... I wasn't overconfident, but I, I knew we had nothing to fear from them because there was one game where they were all over us and they had uh, overload in the midfield. They had three on two and Callum in the second half decided he was going to change that and he stuck um, somebody in there. I can't remember who it was, but... Um, it made all the difference, and once once he'd done that, he knew how to play against Hibs, and that's how that's the approach he took in every single game after that. And he had, I think, in the final, we had Spoonie in that role, roaming about the midfield, and cutting out the passes, um, and Hibs had absolutely no answer to that, and they certainly had no answer to the to when we scored our goal and then changed to a four five one because they just didn't know how to break it down. They could have been playing till now, and they still wouldn't have scored. Um, I think we had a number, and I'm happy about that, obviously. But for a, a club the size of Hibs, with the budget they've got, the resources they've got, the players they've got, they should have done better. See, I don't know. You know, It's a hard one to kind of judge, because if you look how they were last season when Jack Ross came in, then you look at kind of comparatively what happened to Hearts, then you look at the fact they went from seventh, they finished third fairly comfortably, Semi in one cup final and the other. If you don't take in the opposition of who who they lost to, and that's no disrespect to St Johnston, but if you just like finished third, you got into one final, got to the semis of another, they would have probably taken that this the start of the season. And then effectively, I think they were at the best at the start of the season, and they just in the middle lost their way a bit. They kind of back into a bit of momentum um, in the kind of final third of me, but it's a a funny one because when you do look back now, it's kind of a season of missed opportunities, but if you look at the start of the season, you'd probably think actually a lot of Hibs fans would have taken that no bother. It's a very strange one because they have given that they they have improved in pretty much every tournament uh, and yet we're, we're still sitting here saying but you could have done better. Yeah, because the, the, well, because the, the way Celtic imploded, they should have been closer to Celtic. They probably feel as if you know they should have done better in the cup final, but you know maybe they only win the Scottish Cup if they're playing Rangers in cup finals. I, I, I wonder if they're even more disappointed because if you throw in the fact that we played the the, 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 the Scottish Cup for last season as well, that defeat to Hearts in the semi final was another disappointment for them as well, and that was probably the one they were most disappointed about because it's Hearts, uh, and obviously would, the, the divisional difference between the two. I would ask, fair enough if you said to them at the start of the season, um, you're going to have two, you know, two semi, one semi-final and a final, and you're going to finish third. They would probably be happy with that, but would they be happy with that if you told them it wasn't going to be Celtic or Rangers that won the Cups? Yeah, that, so that is, that is the kind of... Uh, the kind of caveat that you know, yeah, that would that would be an interesting one if you asked them that, um, and you already specifically told them who they were going to lose to, would they be happy yeah. with that? But you know, 
to be fair though, I think Hibs fans must watch those games like we did and, and know that St George were the better team, uh, certainly in the, the Scottish Cup final. Yeah, so you know, I, sometimes it's easier to lose a cup final when you're when you are kind of soundly beaten. I, I, I'm not a Hibs fan, so I can't I can't say. Um, they obviously have regrets and be disappointed, but at least you can look at a cup final and say, well, the better team won. Another team that's got that kind of moment um, this season has been St Mirren as well because if you'd ask them at the start of the season um, two semi-finals um, and you know, seventh they're probably saying that given that last season they were fighting relegation but again they've, they were six minutes away from being in the top six when they lost the late goal to Hamilton and then in the two semi-finals especially after beating Rangers in the League Cup they'd never turned up in that semi-final against Livingston and against St John's it was a hard game but Again, that's a missed opportunity. Um, but yet, probably sit here saying it for the good season. And I think Jim Goodwin, again, has shown he's a good manager. But there's an element of frustration from him as well. He was my man I wanted to Aberdeen. I think Goodwin has mm, gone too. places massively. Um, he looks good at all, the beard and all that. But we all love the beards. Apart from you, John, <laughs> that missed the memo with the beard. I just think Goodwin... An interesting thing I looked at earlier, I was thinking about managers, right? There's that many managers that have left in the Premiership this year. Jim Goodwin, I think now, is the third... No, he will be the second longest serving manager in the league. Already, we're getting a change in the guard now. We're, we're missing the likes of when we had like McInnes at Aberdeen for ages, right at uh, St. Johnson, Robinson at Motherwell, other other guys. We're now seeing a, a change in the guard, I think. Stephen Gerrard, the longest serving manager. Gerrard's the longest the serving manager. Wow. Um, and I just feel with Goodwin as well, the thing... He's, Budget again, I would say, must be, I would say, maybe mm-hmm. along the lines of maybe similar to St. John's. You, you have to look at kind of luck as well a wee bit because COVID struck them pretty badly, I think. It was certainly one part of the season. And then when they faced Livingston, that was probably Livingston, peak Livingston when Martindale had t- taken over and stuff. So, you know, it's, those times of wee bits of fate, wee bits of luck can really play into a season. I don't think St. Mirren have been lucky though. If anything, that maybe. No, that's what I'm saying. Him. Well, that's what I mean. Aye, so so aye, that, good luck. Yeah. Aye, so, but I think he's doing. I think he's doing well with the players that he's got at his disposal. Yeah, and he's using well. young players. No, no, I've I've been a fan of St. Mirren all season. But what I'm saying is, it's just that bit of a, but bad luck to this. You know, they, they faced Livingston at at the probably the very best this this season, and then you know when they built a wee bit of form. Covid struck and they had to kind of cancel a couple of games or play games without certain players. Greg, Chris, you like good one. Did you before? I think um, I think he's a good guy. Everything that I've seen of him and heard, certainly pre and post match interviews, he comes across really well. Um, is he a really good manager? I don't know. We'll see next season. He's really he's really got to get and try and kind of replicate. Or better what they did this season, next season, and you know that's. I think that's going to be. I think that might be tough. I mean, lots of people are kind of going about since the of an outstanding season. Well, I mean, they've only just picked Motherwell to seventh place, and that's a terrible Motherwell side. So I don't really buy this outstanding season thing for St. Martin. It's maybe better than they they hoped at the start of the when the, kick, when the season kicked off. It's maybe better than they were kind of expecting, but. I think you've got to temper a wee bit of the hype as well. And around the COVID thing as well, I, mean, you, I think some of were one of the teams where we were initially awarded three points because they'd broken the rules. I think it was quite back off us, and, you know. And then we'd played them, they got they get a couple of really ropey penalties. 
I'm not I'm not 100 convinced it's been an outstanding season for St Mirren, but you know, if he can if he if Goodman can replicate that type of finish next season, then yeah, I think at that point somebody will have a look at him and you know, he'll probably move on from from St Mirren and, and do something else. But you need to get that level of consistency first, I think, before you before you can really talk about him. Um, kind of moving on to Yard or Dundee United or you know whatever the next level up is for for Jim Goodman. Hubs. St. Murray managers always go to Hubs. That's just the, the, the progression. <laughs> I, I I would agree. I think it's they, they have had a, a season which is decent, but has had a lot of missed opportunities in there. Whether it's luck or whether it's just <laughs> a lack of luck, really, um, rather than anything else, I don't know. Um, I I wasn't a big fan of Jim Goodwin as a player, but I think he's certainly doing it a lot better now that he's a manager. It's a bit like Nori touched on earlier, though. He was a bastard, wasn't he, as a player? He was, yeah. That's why. That's why. Given he was a product of Celtic Youth Academy, that probably says a lot that even I didn't like him. But yeah, I mean, we all scoffed at Tony Fitzpatrick coming out at the start of the season, going, ah, we could do top six this season. Six minutes away from it. They they blew it. And I think that's probably something that St. Martin will take away from this season, is they were in good positions and they blew it. Yeah. The thing is, I mean, a lot of people are saying that they've missed their opportunity to be in the top six um, and that it's going to be harder for the next season, but it's not a given that Hearts will come straight back up and go in the top six because they weren't, they weren't convincing in the championship. I know they romped it, but they were expected to romp it and they lost a few silly games. Aberdeen's going through a uh, no transitional period and you just don't know what Hibs is going to turn up in the next season, so there's no reason why St Mun can't say, well, let's try and get in the top six next season. Yeah, as we yeah. mentioned earlier, there's that much change of the guard when it comes to managers. There's that much change when it comes to squad. It's going to be a very difficult uh, Premiership to even predict, which I'm sure we'll be asked to do in about six weeks' time or something. We will, aye. We might get the same six people on as well, because this is going well. Dundee United, it's lucky Tony's not on, because Tony <laughs> has he's been hating on Dundee United massively. Like I don't know oh, what Dundee somewhere. United have done to, to offend him. I reckon good season. I, I don't. I think Dundee United have been very disappointing this season, with the exception of that one cup game against Aberdeen, where suddenly Dundee United turned up. Apart from that, I'm not sure what Dundee United have really done this season at all. Most goal scorers in the league, they've only scored 32 goals, which is even less than Aberdeen, and we had our problems. Um, and considering they had a front line of Shanklin, Clark and McNulty, um, McNulty, apart from that cup game against Aberdeen, was honking most of the season, and he had a good reputation at uh, Hibs before. So um, I think they've been okay. Um, they've not been close to the relegation. They've not been close to the top six. It's been an okay first return for having been out of the league for four years. But did it merit Mickey Mellon losing his job? I mean, but how much is that as Mellon want to go back down south? I don't know. Yeah, I think he maybe wants to go back down south. Who's replacing him then? Is it going to be John Hughes? Someone different? I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> oh, you'd be loving it, wouldn't you? That's oh, I- John Hughes is getting a lot of hate just now, but surely John Hughes has done his job. He's kept Ross County up. Yeah. He's shown that he's a he's a good manager. No? He was a great guest last year on this podcast. It's the easiest oh. interview Chris and I ever did. <laughs> by, by a country by was it an interview? I just thought it was a John Hughes uh, speech. <laughs> it was an advert for uh, him trying to get a new job. Sometimes and eventually did obviously. I see, I, well, St. Johnson job was up for the grabs at that point. He was, wasn't it? That's true, yeah. Uh, he seems to get a hard press, I think. Well, I mean, I think uh, he might be a 
tremendously good manager. Um, maybe I've got it wrong, but uh, the fallout from the reaction from the Dundee United fans alone would just make it absolutely worthwhile for me uh, because they're not going to take it well. They don't want them. But you've got your ear to the ground. You're in that neck of the woods. Who, who did Dundee yes. United? Who did Dundee United want? Is it Zidane? No, they want McInnes, well, I think. Oh, they want McInnes, eh? Um, I, I don't know who they actually want because they're a very fickle bunch. But um, they, they seem to think um, there's a guy coming out of the academy, United Academy. Was that Crofts? Um, Was it Crofts or something like that, I think? Oh, it could be. I, they seem to think he's, he's the man for the job. So um, we'll wait and see how that works out. But I don't. Uh, this is kind of like uh, another laptop football manager appointment by the sounds of it. This guy's got very little experience. He's another Cathro by the sounds of it. So we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. Any, anything that uh, befalls him will be entertaining for, for me as a St. Johnson fan. <laughs> um, Livingston, right? I've been starting to, I've been trying to get the campaign. Bring back only an excuse just because I want to see Jonathan Watson do David Martindale. Surely a good good season for Livy. But again, we'll probably talk about missed opportunities with this, the run they went on. I think you can look at sorry, I think you can look at teams that have outstanding seasons. I think St Johnston, maybe Rangers, probably a Livingston as well in terms of where they finished their league and where the um and where everybody thought they would finish. But again, a wee bit like St Mirren, can you do it again next season? Wouldn't it surprise me if Livingston finished near the bottom next season? Because I mean they've gone on that horrendous run after they were on that brilliant run. So again, I'm not convinced with I mean, Martin Dale's done quite well coming in. I think it's a it's not it's not a classic football appointment. It's maybe a Scottish football appointment, but I can I can see the wheels coming off for Livingston as well. And you know, I've I've, I've kind of got my fingers crossed because I think if we can get them relegated next season, that's all the plastic pitches gone. <laughs> the last one. So let's let's club together and let's get them out of the league next season, get them packed into the championship where they belong. There's already a campaign that now we now have 11 grass pitches and one plastic pitch. We can just do it as a vote now and make it illegal in the top flight. Yeah, right. yeah. There yeah. we go. There we go. Democracy right there. I'm just looking forward to Jet signing for Aberdeen. Shea Logan's left. The joke's there for you. No. Jet too. Number two jersey. Fuck's sake. Too clever. I say this to the missus all the time. She doesn't get my humour. doesn't get my jokes. I need to explain it to her. You, you say, Jet. Chris, Chris, you've never been on the podcast long enough. You usually would have got that one straight away. You'd have been in like Flynn. No. I, I forgot she You're Logan. You're too busy there at a gig two. at a hydro. No, I, I, I just forgot she Logan was number two because he's... Well, I was trying to work out what you were going with Jet 2 and Logan Air. That's what I was going with. Oh, I, I see, see. That's even funnier. <laughs> no, no, don't be a bit. I've been good here, this but... season. There's been no... I think I've been less than five F bombs. Uh, this is this is you. This is you saying you've been good. Aye. <laughs> well, you, know, you can can't really criticize yourself. <laughs> I can do a self-reflection exercise here. And there's there's been maybe less than ten F bombs over the whole season. Congratulations. Maybe. You told me I was the little swear. When? The start of the season. <laughs> no. Oh, that... I would have swore all season if I had known. Aye, mass swearing in your podcast. Mass you're from Rutherglen, right? I'm a good boy. The F bomb is that's basic. 
you'd be dropping in C1. the P and the C's. Oh, aye. The J's. You're trying to think what the, the J's are. I'm still in. I assume we're going to talk about Jet, weren't you? But not the Jet that we're talking about. <laughs> uh, I, I'm a 1990s gladiator, so that's, that's likewise. I go when you say Jet. Again, the young team are going to be like, what at the top? Who's who's just Jet that talk about gladiators? I, I love how the way you keep on saying the young team as if any of the young teams going to be listening to this anyway. What are you saying? We can't encourage listeners, Scott. What are you saying? <laughs> the young team aren't listening. What's they going to be doing? Oh no. Wednesday, in COVID especially, they've got nothing else to do. Okay, Motherwell, they can't even go to Motherwell buying the jump. Yeah. No. Listen to the podcast. Learn from the elder statesman of how to conduct yourself. No. <laughs> Definitely listen to the podcast then. Ross County. <laughs> Ross County. We touched on John Hughes. So they lost, Kettlewell went, replaced by John Hughes, kept them up. Where'd the county go from here? Down. Oh, down. down. So, oh, right, okay. <laughs> they were my tip for relegation this season, I think. If um, John Hughes hadn't come in, they probably would have done. But fair play to them. The last five games, they won three and drew one. Um, they do it, do it every year, though, don't they? they? They struggle around about the bottom, and then they, Uncle Roy gets his wallet out around about January time and dips into the transfer market, signs 20 players, and uh, Brings in John Hughes and they stay up. It's a it's a pattern, isn't it? So Ross County. At least they were quite. At least they were. Is that what we're saying? Everyone's going to put that and go down, but they are going to stick to stay like a bad smell. I, th- I think. Uh, I think I'm, saying I'm saying Hamilton's a bad smell. But Greg, you might agree with me. I think Hamilton. <laughs> people make this kind of big thing about you know Motherwell Hamilton and the big derby. Hamilton are a complete irrelevance in <laughs> Motherwell. It's, it's not a derby. The derby's Motherwell Airdrie. It's Hamilton. You know, you pat Hamilton in the head and send them in their way. I'm delighted you see them going down because our record against them is horrendous. <laughs> so, I know the truth's out. There's nobody happier than me to, to, to see the back of them. But um, I mean, they'll be they'll be cast away to some you know the second division just shortly. There'll be there'll be a, there'll be a, 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 a by thought in, in you know a matter of months. So that's the thing yeah, about what Ross can. County did. It took them um, two days to change manager between Kettlewell and uh, Hughes and they end up staying up. Kilmarnock so took three weeks um, before appointing Tommy Wright, who'd been available all season. Now, if they got him in a couple of weeks earlier, they might have stayed up. You just never know, but they just were too indecisive. Whereas Ross County, at least, you can say what you want about Roy McGregor, but he was ruthless when he knew it was right and made that call and it proved to be correct. But yeah, Hamilton... Um, I think they're going to struggle next I think, season. I think, but... I think the thing with the commander, though, is that, not that they probably just didn't want to release Dyer any earlier than they did. Mm-hmm. You know, with the, the kind of racism thing and all the rest of it that happened at that point of the season. And then they probably thought right, they had to act then. And then they went down the road of probably interviewing managers. And sometimes that works. You, know, you want to get the best man. So rather than just hiring the first person that comes to mind, it's a hard one, you know, it's horses for courses, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Um, you know, the same token, Hamilton kept her with race all season, which is admirable, but maybe if they had changed it, something might have happened there, I doubt it. I said that they would go down and you all scoffed me because Hamilton never go down, you all told me, and then suddenly, there you go, they're done. All you need to do is make them honest, Elias. There's no, uh, there's no evidence of that. <laughs> 
Where's the evidence? I know a few times in the podcast where he did say, I think we just thought Hamilton do what they do, they stay up. And they really did. Um, and they, they, were, they were unlucky, I think. I, you've got aye, to, I had them in we, the playoffs this season. Aye, well, we're not really slagging Hamilton here, we're not here to slag Hamilton. To be honest with Hamilton, they think they've done a terrific job to stay in the top flight for so long with the budget yeah, yeah. that they've got. So, give them that credit. Um, <laughs> yeah, Kelly obviously are going down. Again, massive overhaul with the squad. Was it 24 players out of contract? Most of them, I think, mm. have gone today. There's been a few offered new deals. Buck and Broadfoot, considering their future, I think Kamarik fans would be quite happy if Broadfoot considered his future elsewhere. <laughs> um, just maybe get on a bit, because when Broadfoot under Clark, Broadfoot was was a, a good centre-back. But I've said this before, and Aldo, friend of the podcast, disagreed. Kamarik are just doing what Kamarik did before Clark. Kamarik were chronic before oh, yeah. Clark well, see, and See from when Kenny Shields left, um, from between Kenny Shields left and now, apart from the 18 months of Clark, Kamarik were always fighting relegation. <laughs> no, this is a second appearance in the playoff. The first uh-huh. one, they, they, uh-huh. they did, they were 1-0 down against uh, Falkirk after the first leg, and then obviously they won the second leg and, and managed to stay up, but they have brushed that before, and it was with kind of more inexperienced coaches, and it, it, it's funny because you can't really put your, you know, you, you hear Chris Boyd blaming Alessio, which is absolutely r- ridiculous, mm-hmm. and you, you feel as though they kind of made the right managerial choice this time, but you know, I, I think Toby Wright's the kind of man who wants to put a right or wrong, and he'll see this as a wrong in his CV, and he'll, that's why he'll be there next season, and whether or not he can, because it's going to be a very tough championship next season, so yeah. there's no guarantees that come on coming straight back up, but he'll that would be his you know outlook. I think his interview after the game was fair, when some of these players are potentially going to stay in the club next season. Yeah. What about too much? The- yeah, even when they were going back to when they appointed Telesio, um, because Clark made it known like seven weeks before that he was leaving Kilmarnock at the end of the season. They didn't know he was going to take a Scotland job at that point, but they knew he was leaving. But it still took them to four weeks after Clark left to appoint Telesio, which was like a week and a half before they played um, the, the Welsh team. Um, Con- was it Coniskey? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then they also lose that game, and it was obviously doomed to failure from them. But... Even then, I mean, they were linked with guys like Gus Poyet at one point and then ended up appointing it Alessio. It was, yeah, indecisiveness from the killer word that they need to learn from. The, the Remember, though, Alessio got marriage in a month, though, I think about two months before he got sacked. That's right. But you need to get a guy time. Well, they were fifth when they sacked him. They were, you know, they, but it seemed as if the players were against him. And, you know, at that stage, it's easier to get rid of the manager than the, the whole squad um, when it comes to kind of Christmas time. But, Wait, whereas now fans are like, get rid of most of that squad. They're like, but what some, what some Commonwealth fans have to understand is they want to watch with Steve Clark. Steve Clark was bigger than Commonwealth should have got. And I don't want to disrespect Commonwealth, but I'm going to, right? He was bigger than what they, they, they actually are. And they want to watch. And that's why he got more out of them than probably anybody else could have. And then they try and judge every everybody since then has been getting that judgment to Steve Clark, and that's that's wrong as well. Because as you say, before he took the job, the, the previous three or four managers were pretty crap. 
So yeah. it's no surprise, you know, that, that, that there, was, there was no real, until Clark came in and for that kind of spell that Clark was there for, there was very little structure at Kilmarnock. Yeah, I it's think interesting. They're, they're talking about keeping the same playing budget next season. I, I watched the interview last night, they're saying they'll try to keep the same playing budget next year, which is a seems like an almighty gamble to me. Um, I mean, that's okay if you're going to bounce back up in one season, but if you're going to end up like a Dundee United, I'm not sure Kamarlick can sustain that level of loss. It's a bit like Motherwell. Motherwell are open about this. We could probably survive one year in the Championship. Goes to two years, it's not sustainable. So I think Kamarlick need to get off to a good start in, in, in the Championship because I think it's going to be, you know, I think it's going to be, I think people underestimate how difficult it is to get out of that league. And I think Kamarnock might find that next season. But I mean, they've got a good manager on Tommy Wright. So in terms of the guy at the helm, if he sticks around and they give him a decent budget, I would be reasonably confident Kamarnock could come up at the first attempt. And if he keeps uh, laughing to there, it just says to Lafferty, listen, you're my star man. I believe in you and all the rest of it and gets the very best out of Kyle Lafferty. Then I can see them coming straight back up. But yeah, it's a, it is a gamble, and that's why they've obviously wanted to take that gamble because they know that they can't stay in that league for more than a season. At least they've got least... the to look forward to. Yeah. <coughs> it's a, the way it's all worked out is um, great market for the, well, what should be great market from SPFL point of view because you've got the old firm derby, the Edinburgh derby, and the Dundee derby in the top flight, and the, um, the Ayrshire one in the, um, the championship. Um, well, so Sky don't have any excuse for not filling their quota this season, next season. Is the only form filled? Was it 41 out of 48 games? I don't know, but I can see Chris trying to work out who this old firm derby is. You're like, this is like Tom and Jerry here. You're like trying to just irritate Tom for a chase. <laughs> you're wanting a chase, aren't you? <laughs> And Chris has been in his best behaviour. He's just sitting there. <laughs> and you're casting your rod. Chris is not going to rise to this, are you? Nope. <laughs> He's learned his lesson from Lennon <laughs> Rogers Gate. <laughs> um, I, oh, I, the championship's going to be horrific to get out of next year. Um, we, we say this every year, the championship's going to be really tough. But actually, it seems even tougher this year. It's because two have gone down for the, the top flight. And then the team that's come up is, is part of the of all teams. So that's another one. You, you, look at the, you look at the championship teams and you're wondering, there's about eight of the ten teams could be challenging for the, the, the promotion spot. Yeah. Um, so that old firm that we speak of, should we talk about them? Celtic. What's happening? Is it next Monday? Eddie Howe. Oh, this whole thing because of his contract, doesn't it? If he takes exactly. a job earlier on the first of June, he doesn't get his his money. Is that this is that's up. that's the the talk I've heard on Kennedale oh, Street. If that if that's the latest one, <laughs> then that's that's replaced last week's uh, rumor that it was delayed because he was waiting to get his management team out of Bournemouth. Well, I think there's that, that as well. What happened until their season was finished, and then obviously yeah. the playoffs have ended. So. Nothing today, nothing yesterday, not expecting anything tomorrow. It's not as if there's any urgency, you know what I mean? Well, that's, that's the, any urgency Well, that's the thing, Chris. See, if you're a Celtic fan, does that fill you with confidence that somebody's willing to wait until that specific date to take over? I know he could have done maybe wee bits and pieces, you know, with it, within himself, but you'd be like, why don't you come in now, see what you've got, and then develop some young players and all the rest of it? It just seems as if, you know, he's waiting for this point. 
with either Gibbrigan and his coaching staff or whatever. See what coaching staffs at Celtic. And then, you know, just bin them at the end of the season and bring in your own stuff then. It just, I don't know, it just doesn't sit well with me. That, But then I suppose Stephen Gerrard did the same thing. He waited until the end of the season. So, you know, maybe it doesn't make as much of a difference. But I don't know. I would have preferred somebody coming in a bit earlier. I, I think free. The, the, the thing with Stephen Gerrard was he was announced. So when you, you knew he was coming in at Rangers. He was given that time. To, to look at what he had and no doubt he'd been doing his homework even before he act, actively officially took over if it is Eddie Howe that comes into Celtic he's been linked with it for that long and he spoke I mean, we're pretty sure he spoke to Celtic months ago now um, he will he will have a good understanding of what he's coming into he'll have a good understanding of, of what what's available to him he'll have plans that he want to put in place the longer it takes to get that made official, the less time he's got to put his plans in place. But is that really going to affect things too much at this stage in, in the season? I don't think it will, because everybody's winding down, uh, apart from the players that are going to disappear off to the, the European Championships. Um, we're in that kind of funny period where the season's done, we're just finishing off the European fixtures at this point in the, the, the finals, and then it'll all be about international football for like a month. And very little deals actually get done around that. Some people think it deals in before uh, the, the championships kick off. But once the championships are on the way, the, the next thing time in happens is when people start coming back for um, for their pre-seasons because you know they've got European football, and that's usually the existing players. It's not anybody new. That to me is the big problem that Celtic have got, and it's a big problem they have every season. They need to try and bring players in before these European qualifiers. But these European qualifiers come around so quickly that you can't. You never really get the players in that you want to get in, especially in, seat, in the years when you've got a European Championships or a World Cup, because all the big players that you really want are still involved in that. Because that's I the other thing, even if you don't bring in how, bring in a sporting director to work on that stuff yeah. first. You know, he could have been in for a couple of months. Absolutely. I think There's, the first thing certainly need to bring is a goalkeeper before any other coaching stuff. Yes. It's none of the three of them have been any good this season. There's a lot of positions that Celtic need to fill, and the goalkeeper is number one. No <laughs> <laughs> pun intended. Because for me, that's the big, the big difference between Celtic and Rangers this season, is that well, Celtic have got the top scorer in the league, but the leaking goals left right and centre at the back, whereas Rangers had the best defensive record in the league. Having watched Rangers, I'm astounded they've got the best defensive record in the league, because the defence isn't that great. Al McGregor's brilliant, and was rightly player of the year. But the defence itself, when they were unpicked, it was unpicked in a remarkably easy way. Anytime I seen a Celtic team come up against that Rangers team, it wasn't that they didn't create chances. It wasn't that they didn't get chances. They just didn't take them. They were missing chances. Al McGregor was making a few saves in there, but they, were, they missed a hell of a lot of great chances. The defensive Rangers wasn't all that great, I don't think. I understand you're looking at our Ali McCann. As a replacement for uh, Scott Brown. Good player. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I mean, um, Scott Brown, obviously, after 14 years, is going to be a, a big loss, not just as a defensive midfielder, but as captain and the influence he has there. I think Al McCann can certainly come in and do that defensive midfielder job. Whether he can be, whether he can replace a captain, I, I don't think he'll be asked to do that. I think they'll probably look to somebody like, Carl McGregor seems like a, an obvious choice, but I'm not overly convinced Carl McGregor's a captain 
Um, so I think that's one of the many problems that whoever the new manager is is going to have to address at Celtic. But as a, uh, yeah, certainly Al McCann is a player. I, I, I would rate him as a, a defensive midfielder and he could do a job at Celtic. I've said for the last, if not 12 months longer, that the, that is the biggest problem Celtic have got when Scott Brown leaves is replacing him with a leader. You know, not in terms of maybe positionally, but just in, in within the squad. Because I don't think there's anybody currently in that team that is going to be able to do that. Because I think Cal McGregor was a possibility, but then you've seen him when Brown isn't in there and he just doesn't galvanise the team in the same way Scott Brown does. So I just don't think it is in him. Uh, you know, then maybe, you know, Tierney, if he hadn't have left, is obviously probably somebody that could have done it. But, you know, that is something that they have to look at and have to get a voice inside that dressing room to, that gets players listening and gets them all focused. Um, and that is the kind of, uh, we talk about goalkeeper, but we that is probably the biggest thing I think Celtic will miss next season is somebody that's actually leading them and telling people what to do. Put it to you, Chris. How many players does Celtic need for a starting lineup that season? Never mind squad, because you're going to have a big squad overall. But in the starting lineup, you need to try. Look to try you look who's leaving. Yeah, I, I suspect we're talking about nine. Um, lineup, we mentioned the goalkeeper. I would imagine the likes of Ayer will be away. Uh, nine of the fullback ones, and we had were any good. Uh, I'm just saying the only ones I expect to still be there and that will start to line up as likely to be Turnbull and Forrest I mean and, and what was injury. it Julian back from injury maybe yeah I think so um, so I mean obviously he didn't play for a lot of this season because of his injury so yeah maybe him maybe Soros like, could be in there as well um, but yeah, yeah there's not a lot I'm expecting Edward to be away so that's a lot of goals we're going to lose for the team uh, as I said, I has been linked with people. Um, we need to replace the keeper. There's not a lot to work with. I mean, look, in, in, in previous years when Celtic have changed manager, you look at the kind of squad that they've had to come into. I mean, even even under Barnes, the, the squad that was then left for Martin O'Neill, within a few weeks of the season, we're beating Rangers 6-2 because there was a decent core of squad there. I don't see that now. So I think that the, the rebuilding job that Celtic have got at this point is absolutely massive. And anybody that's thinking this is going to be a one-season blip and Celtic are going to go retake the title is in Koukoukouland. They might somehow put something together quickly, um, but they might well find themselves well behind Gerrard's Rangers even like, by the end of August. Yeah, that's something we've discussed over the last few weeks is the fact that the matter is Celtic will need to have a massive overhaul. You look at the Rangers squad, most of their players will still be there. I think even Morelis might have second thoughts about leaving because he's got a wee chance at the Champions League. So you're looking at Rangers maybe only signing what, I don't know, three or four players? Just they've, already, the and they've already brought in a, a strike yeah. as well. Morelis does leave, so they're not... So it's going to be tough, I think, for Celtic to to try and get the title back. Um, assuming this and Johnson don't win it, of course. Can't rule out. <laughs> um, talking to St. Johnson, obviously, St. Johnson have got a couple of lovely, shiny new things in the trophy cabinet this season, which is terrific. If you want to also have two terrific, shiny things, then get on to uk.manscaped forward slash com. Get your balls as shiny as what the trophy cabinet is like at McDermott Park. 
because John, I know you received the goods. I've received the goods. It's terrific. I've been using a deodorant every day. Smooth balls, fresh balls. Oh, the smell of success. That's about as close as Aberdeen's going to get to a Brazil game, isn't it? <laughs> oh, oh, well, we had a very well. It's just especially when they try shows every time you start a podcast. Just you were lucky. You were lucky that I was in the podcast, the Zoom call five minutes before you guys were. All sorts of shapes and sizes. So the message is look after your Ian McCall's, and your Ian McCall's will look after you. Okay. The other, <laughs> uh, the other team to get a shiny youth in in their cabinet, new old, whichever way you want to put it, Rangers. I suppose we've all kind of spoken about them over the season. They won the league. What do we think? Uh, can, can I be controversial here? I I think we, we've mentioned previously about missed opportunities. I think Rangers themselves must look at this season and think. How dominant they were in the league. They've went. Um, they don't take it away from the, the the unbeaten league season is a phenomenal achievement. It's only the fourth time in Scottish football history it's happened. It's only the second time it's happened in a season that lasts thirty eight games. Uh, the first two were eighteen games or something like that kind of numbers. But in a season when they've been so dominant in the league, to not even get to Hamden once this season. It leaves Steven Gerrard with a record of one trophy and nine. Which brilliant, isn't it? But, but can I say <laughs> yeah. something? Can I say something? Knowing as as a former Rangers fan, knowing that it was the tenth title that they stopped, they do not care about the two cup competitions. And it's the first time I probably, you know, would ever say that about Rangers, but they, they didn't. They, they did not care a jot. Um, because that was the one that they wanted. If they'd have won just the Scottish Cup and nothing else, you know, that would have been horrific for Rangers to have stopped the 10 in a row was the be-all and end-all. Um, and if that's the, the one that Steven Gerrard, the only one that Steven Gerrard does, then, you know, th- you know that is why, you know, they, they already treat him as a hero because that's what he did. He, he didn't just win this league, he stopped Celtic winning their 10th league. Yeah, and, and, and I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think from a fan's perspective, mission accomplished by a country mile and they deserved it. And no doubt, Rangers absolutely deserve to be champions. But I think from a football perspective, and I think Stephen Gerrard himself has said that, that he's very disappointed in how the cup competitions have went. But so, the, the, the other thing is, though, is it a case, though, that now they've relieved that pressure? They've now won a trophy, the biggest one. They've won the league. And that actually might ease them up for next season to go, right, OK, we don't need to go unbeaten in the league. We just need to try and win the league and then go for the, the kind of other cup competitions. So the other thing is, would we say would we say that they, they didn't do so well in the, the two cup competitions? When you compare it to previous Rangers winning championships and trophies, they've actually, apart from, you know, maybe, you know, 2008, whatever, they've had a longer spell in Europe as well. So that comes into it. So it's a funny one, you know. It obviously is a bit of a disappointment for Stephen Gerrard himself and you know some of the squad, but for fans, they they will not care. I think the thing is, I mean, 
Rangers' objective for day one was to win the league. They won it by a country mile without losing a game. So they absolutely deserve all the plaudits for that. They went through the three qualifying rounds and then all the way to the last 16 of um, the Europa League. And it was a pretty decent team that beat them. I mean, Slavia Prague put out Leicester City and they played Rangers off the park. There was obviously the unfortunate incident at the end, which um, was disgraceful. Slavia Prague did deserve it. I don't think the League Cup bothered them as much um, because in some way that probably woke them up a bit before they were getting complacent and they also beat Celtic at New Year. But I think having beat Celtic in the Scottish Cup to then not go and win that, you know, is probably one that Stephen Gerrard the most out of that. John, you were talking about missed opportunities. Um, you missed the opportunity to give the listeners the discount code that they need for 20% <laughs> off Manscaped. Nice. SFF podcast. So you need to take 20% off. I get, too, I get too excited when I was thinking. Too involved with your balls. I was too, too excited when I was thinking, <laughs> who do I use? Do I use your Ian McCall's or your Stuart McCall's? You can see the dilemma there. But I thought maybe for the young, the young, team, not, the young team will know Ian McCall more than Stuart McCall because he's still. Uh, since you're not well, so. you, you ballsed it up, but it's a close shave because John got in there. Exactly. Hey. exactly. That's, that's, that's what you came here for, Chris. Good night. Boom, boom. <laughs> uh, aye, no, it's it's twenty percent off. That's a great save. Yeah. So, aye, so, I think missed opportunity as well. I agree with um, the missed opportunity with the Scottish Cup, and Nori certainly touched on it the last time he was on. Rangers was expected to win both cups. I think. Interesting to see that does next. I think because you would as you do next season to say come back and defend the title, is that enough for him? Is, is his ambitions you know, to go and win three, four titles with Rangers in a Scottish Cup or are his ambitions a job in the EPL? I'm not sure yeah, I'm not sure Scotland will particularly hold that much draw for him anymore. You look at Europe, yeah, good run in Europe, but I mean, not really in the latter, latter stages. So I think having secured that title this year, it might be a case of job done for Gerard, and he's possibly looking at a move somewhere else now. I, th- I think he'll okay. stay at least one more season. Um, I think he'll want to have a go at defending the title um, and have a, see how well he can do with Rangers in the Champions League because it's going to be hard for Rangers to get into the Champions League. I think if he has, if he does that and wins Rangers League again, then that'll leave him for a bigger job going forward because I do think he's got that potential to be um, to go for a not a bigger club this a bigger club in Rangers right now, but a bigger level. Bigger than, league. Yeah, the thing exactly. is, like Brendan Rodgers going to Leicester. I mean, Leicester's not a bigger club than Celtic, but they're at a bigger level than Celtic right now. Sorry, Chris. The thing is, when it comes to when it comes to Gerard, he's spoken quite recently about how the whole thing kind of changed for him when it comes to Rangers. How he thinks he's Rangers. He thought Liverpool was the only club for him for his whole career. And now suddenly he sees that Rangers don't match the same, obviously, affinity for him, but are close to it. So I can see him staying one or two more seasons. And it just it all depends on what job becomes available and, and what circumstances. I think at the moment he would protect his CV. I don't think a Crystal Palace or, or something like that, um, certainly not an English Championship, I don't think that would hold anything for him. And it just depends on what job. I think ideally for him, would be Liverpool, whether or not Liverpool think that he needs to go and bridge that gap um, with a, a kind of larger Premier League club. Um, but those discussions, and I don't think Rangers would have any problem, that those discussions have probably already taken place with Liverpool in terms of his 
where they see him going um, and what kind of timeline um, that they've got. Because um, I don't know if Klopp's going to be you know, a Liverpool manager for two or three more years. I think, I think it's true that he, he has an affinity for, for a similar affinity for Rangers as, as he does for Liverpool. Do you think that's true? Or is he just kind of playing at the gallery there? I, know, I, I, I don't think open. it's... I don't think it's... Yeah, I don't think it's anywhere near the same affinity. But what I think is it's shocked him quite how much affinity he now does have for Rangers. And I think that... Whereas he might have thought Derby County a couple of seasons ago... You know, before he took the Rangers job, it was like, oh, maybe I don't think Derby County would ever have any kind of sway with him now because of the job he's got at Rangers at this current moment in time. You know, that's not to say that he doesn't flop somewhere else or he doesn't, you know, even lose his job at Rangers and then it becomes a total different thing. But I think at the moment he's, because of the star name that he's got as a player, because of what he's done at Rangers, I think he's very protective of his CV and I think he's happy being at a perceived big club in Europe in terms of stature and then he'll look for that opportunity so you know I, I, I think you know Chris mentioned Rodgers going to Leicester I think that kind of opportunity would attract him I don't think what he's achieved at Rangers is quite enough for him to be getting a big uh, job in England yet because they will look at that and go Ah, but it's Scotland. I think if he can hold his own in the Champions League, yeah, um, and like that, that to me, that's the big draw for Gerard next season. He might want, he might well want to address the problems that Rangers have had in the last few seasons in the cup, but the fact that they've now qualified, they're now in a position to qualify for the Champions League, they're two rounds away for the group stages. He'll want to get to at least that stage as, as manager, and not just get there, but at, be able to compete. If he can do that, then yeah, I think a bigger name in uh, England might attract him. Um, but yes, I mean, it's funny we're recording this on the 25th of May, so it's, it's 16 years to the day that Gerard lifted that trophy um, in, in Istanbul. So yeah, he obviously has an affinity with that, that tournament, so I wouldn't be surprised if he definitely wants to take Rangers into that, at least. So I'd, I would, I'd be surprised if he was to leave in the summer. Um, he will probably leave to get an English job eventually. Uh, but he's at Rangers for at least another season, I would say. Istanbul should have been the host of this season's Champions League, um, but instead, because of the red list, they had to move it. But with two English teams in, with Philip Park offering, you have to decide to move it to Porto. That's a good idea. Have 12,500 people travelling abroad. Yeah. Nori, what did you want to say? Can all on the lines of when Chris was speaking? Sorry, I was just going to kind of echo what Chris said, really, but I was just going to say that for me, um, and I don't really have a horse in this race because I don't particularly like Celtic or Rangers being a non-old firm fan. Um, but for me, looking at Gerard's CV with the, the money that he's had and the resources that he's had and having one trophy out of nine, um, if I was looking at that as a, an owner of a club in England, fair enough, he's won this trophy and went through the season unbeaten against a very poor Celtic side. But I'd be looking at that and thinking, how on earth has he only got one trophy up there? Um, how because, is he because you comparatively, because you comparatively look at it in the sense of where Celtic were so if you look at who was winning all the trophies in that same same gap then it was always mm. Celtic 
Now, the, the, somebody just mentioned final stats, maybe something that teams will look at. And plus, we're talking about the English Premier League. They're not known for their fucking sense. So it's not that they just look at Stephen Gerrard as former England captain. They look at Stephen Gerrard as League One at Rangers. You know, they, you know, I, 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 listen, I, I've admired and I've written about how Stephen Gerrard, you know, and, and Rangers deserve a lot of credit for sticking with Stephen Gerrard because some of the Rangers fans kind of were, were, were questioning Stephen Gerrard at one point. But even down south, they still spunk all over him with, with the stuff that he's done. Oh. <laughs> right? He said I can start swearing. I'm not even swearing, but they do. They, they, they cream. Swear, I don't know. They, they cream themselves. They they, they, oh. they think they think oh, he's done. You've got all it. Come and wipe the screen. But they, but they, that's what I'm saying though. They, in the in the Premier League, they seem to have it's, it's a wee bit like kind of Beckham mania. They, they seem to think that he's probably better than what he is. He's still a rookie manager. If if we if we're being totally mm. honest, you're just wanting to get the golden balls chat in there, aren't you? Well, exactly. I mean, that's what happens when I use Manscape. But anyway, that so so twenty percent off. But even if we even if we look at it differently, because we see it week in week out, and we see that he doesn't reach certain finals and all the rest of it. But you actually also have to look at where that squad's where he picked that squad from, and to where they are now. You know, look at progress under Kishinya to where he is in Europe now. That's all they care about. They care about the fact that he's got Rangers at the last 16, the Europa League. He broke the Celtic dominance. And then that is, you know, obviously it's Steven Gerrard. They will always look at him in that same way. It's the same with Frank Lampard at Derby County. Did he deserve to go straight to Chelsea from his season at Derby when he didn't even get them promoted? No, it was just because he was Frank Lampard. Yeah. Well, that's a fair point. That was a fair point. I think he, he does need, like Chris says, I think he does need to get that qualification for Champions League and then perform in the Champions League on his CV as well, really to have a bit of weight on on his CV and give him a bit of credibility, or a bit more credibility other than just his name. Yeah, totally. For, for a top job, he should definitely have to qualify for the Champions League. That's, you know, objectively speaking, if you're wanting to become a top manager in England, you should have that in, on your CV. Um, and that will kind of, again, weigh up where his options will lie in 12 months' time, if that's where he decides that he, he's had enough at Rangers. If he's not qualified for the Champions League, he might have to lower his expectations. Before we wrap up, I feel we need to give credit to Dundee and Kelty Hearts, who thankfully have shown that Pyramid is about progression as opposed to preservation. How good were Dundee against Kilmarnock? Dundee were excellent over the two games. Um, I thought 4-2 flat for Kelly. Um, I said after the first leg when Kelly got that late goal, I thought Kilmarnock can't play any worse and they've got a reprieve, but they actually did play worse in one day. But that was a lot of credit to Dundee with that. They had a great game plan to counter them and uh, hit them early with the, um, the couple of goals and it, it killed the game off. And yeah, They, they played with um, they played with such penetration that um, no, Kilmarnock just couldn't go with them. And now the Scottish Premiership could watch Charlie Adams score from the halfway line every game. At least once a game. I quite like the way James McPake was speaking. He kind of seems like he's quite kind of level-headed. He was uh, a man under pressure all yeah. season. Um, a lot of people yeah. didn't think he was, uh, he was going to be right. I, I'll be honest, I didn't think much about the appointment, but in the later run, um, end of the season, they've come good. They've put in a great run to get himself into second, which proved vital. 
because um, you know the teams that finish third and fourth have the more games to play, um, and he got he's got them up. You know his his job was to um, try and get Dundee back into the Premiership, and he's done it. So you've got to give him full credit for that. And they're signing Robert Snodgrass and Lee Griffiths next season. Are you hearing this? Did you not watch the the aftermath of the game last night? And he's on the FaceTime to Snodgrass and oh, Lee Griffiths yeah. in his bed. <laughs> yeah, Lee Griffiths, Dundee. You, you never know. Oh, yeah, it's true. Eh? Mm-hmm. He, he was there before. Eh? Why not? I think, oh, a bit of Hibs came in for him. Surely that's it would be Hibs. Don't know. Never know. Don't think Hibs will win from though. Aberdeen's probably his best bet. I think that's been uh, kiboshed. There's been talk that's not happening. Are you sure Scott Brown's not got him in his, his car? No. no. He was in his bed last night. If he's in the boot of the car, he's he's a dot. He's, he's got to be in two places at once. So, aye. Uh, and Kelty Hearts. Yeah. Delighted. Aye. Um, that was the biggest football that. justice. Um, yes. I think it, it, it really did show up the, the benefit of the Pyramid playoff particularly because as Kelty Hearts have come up, it was exactly the same season that both Cove Rangers in the, the League One, um, well actually I suppose it's technically the Championship playoff, and then Edinburgh City in the, the, the League Two the League One playoff. I, we, we've seen how refreshing the league is, a, a real benefit to Scottish football and the way they, they, those teams are progressing. Um, I, I do feel sorry for the likes of like Breakin and before them, Berry Rangers and East Stirling as well, who are now all going to be taking points in that Lowland League with those uh, body Colts teams. Um, but they paid for it, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit like you, Chris. I think, I mean, I think it's good that people are investing in football and there's lots of clubs that are going to be a bit of money in them. The money's coming out of the game, but I feel sorry for those clubs that are dropping down and out of the pyramid because I'm a bit of a traditionalist. And, you know, I, I don't want to see clubs like Breaking and Berwick and the likes replaced by the likes of Scobride Thistle who play in a soulless, astroturf, multi-purpose facility somewhere. I don't want to see lots of teams replaced by that because that doesn't interest me. To be honest, but in terms of you know fair play and sporting integrity and all rubbish that gets trotted out, there has to be some sort of trapdoor in there. But I, I, I just worry that it's at the detriment to a lot of the history of the game that we're going to see lots of these clubs just vanish off the off the face of the earth. But fortunately, that's football. It just need to get Chris and me on the panel. We organise the leagues. Chris and me have been saying for about ten years now. Two top divisions, regionalise everything else. Scottish football, terrific. Oh, it is terrific, to be fair. But it'd be even <laughs> too, better. Too much common sense. <laughs> We'd get local derbies. Folk would want to go. You want to go to local derbies. Playing against your rivals. Shouting across the fence. I know defences don't even exist anymore, but gain, folk, gain your opposition fans abuse. Don't you? No? Aye. The thing is, I mean, I think no. Scottish football has a lot of good things going for it, but it's the people that run the game that ruin it. Oh, 100%. Yeah, Ian Maxwell was just the other day saying about how great Hamden is. So just go and stand behind a goal and watch a game, Ian. Tell us Hamden's still great. Listen, don't tell me how great Hamden is, right? And I, I'm actually a fan of Hamden, but don't tell me how great it is and then not move it to somewhere else like Petordry or anywhere else for a cup final. I don't care how great it is. If it's empty, it's shit. So get it somewhere else and you have that in your capabilities and they chose not to do it. 
they chose not to ask UEFA originally. Do you know when they, they made it as if, oh no, we can't do it because UEFA got the keys. And they went, and it all eventually came out that they just never asked. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say move hand into Sterling. Remember no. Was, no, no fancy that. Probably be easier to get to Sterling for everyone than Hamden. Yeah, apparently they apparently the SFA asked, you know, asked Celtic and Rangers who both said no, the claiming ground maintenance I don't know if it's Sir from getting knocked out of the cup um, they also couldn't use Easter Road because Hibs was in the final um, Hearts apparently said no Murrayfield said no, the SRU said no and I'm not surprised because SFA have always treated rugby with a bit of um, contempt Aberdeen was the only one that offered but again, why didn't they ask maybe Dundee United about Tannadice or no, that could have been a possible. Uh, but you're even, only talking 600 e- fans. But even if stop talking sense, people. But even if Petodri were the only stadium the whole entire of Scotland offered, they'd take up that opportunity because yeah. fans then have a chance to see their club lift the Scottish Cup. You know that that is the, the stupidity of the whole entire thing. Yeah, they they can't say one minute or. The European Super League, oh no, no, don't do that. It's all about the fans. You want to cherish tradition and all the rest of it, and then fuck them over because you you just want to have it at hand so you can see it because you're kind of president in the SFA or you work for the SFA. It's ridiculous. I know. The thing is, so I mean, for as much as we can bash the SFA about this, there's still the chance the Scottish Government, and I've praised the Scottish Government publicly and um, the stuff they've done during the pandemic, but I think um, that was disgraceful the way they took the 600 fans away overnight that still could have been done um, even if they just said just have your families come because most families are just going to go straight to ground and away anyway it's not as if you can go to any pubs because they're not open um, problem, I think problem, this was a, the, the, that was a test event and I just think the problem is, it was a shame the problem is they can't shut down all these businesses and then say football's alright especially after what happened to George Square that's a political suicide move so if you're going to keep Glasgow decisions made before George Square but it doesn't matter. You, you, you've had Charles Square before that, and you've had the Celtic one before that again. So it doesn't. You know, but the th- the thing is, just move it. Petodri offered, that's fine. Move it there. It, it, you know, Glasgow, I'm Glaswegian, proud of the city, but it's not the be all and end all for Scottish football. And we I should have went. That. There you go, Petodri. Thanks very much. You want to tell Sky Sports that? Fuck okay, Sky Sports. Hey! <laughs> We're getting taken off the air, aren't we, after this? <laughs> uh, who's, your I, la- who's your next guest? Hi, Charles Patterson. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think one very valid point that was made, though, about not moving it was the, the players themselves wanted to come out at Hamden to play the Scottish Cup. Don't game. care. That, no, I mean, don't care. That, no, that I can't even half No, because who's paying, who's paying their wages at the end of the day? And I think if you if you honestly spoke to the players in that kind of way, listen, these fans have not been in here the whole season. We could have 600 fans watching you play in a cup final. And, 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 you know, St. Joyce had already played at Hamden. I, I don't, I honestly think. Football is about the is about the fans. We should know that now after this pandemic, yeah. and that's the, that we should have done everything to to do that. And yeah. respect that some players would obviously love to win the Scottish Cup at Hamden, but if you put that in the dream scenario, would that be without any fans? Probably not. But I, the the point was, it wasn't really fans. It was going to be family. So really, it was it wasn't a case of the fans that were like, doing what's best for the fans. It was again going back to the players themselves. It was the players' family that was going to be there. So really, 
if you're going to pander to what the players want anyway, then if the players want to play at Hamden, just play at Hamden. It's just the final um, nail in the curtain that has been this season of fans being locked out and hopefully that changes in three months' time, but we'll wait and see. And then we'll have the fan zones. Is it uh, Glasgow Green? Aye, 6,000. All of a sudden you can get 6,000 there, you can get 12,000 at Hamden, but you can't get anyone at Hamden, anyone at the cup final. And an Oatmere Stadium. Covid stops 13th of June in Scotland, is that right? But then yeah, is yeah, that yeah. why is that why the Scottish government are hammering down Glasgow at the moment so much so they can actually yeah. open it up? Yeah. I think I think they could have made an exception for just the players' families to, to go and uh, watch the cup final. That would have been I would have still preferred it to be Petodre, but I would not have disagreed if they'd allowed the the, the, fa- the families to join. I'm not Well, let's get some positivity back. We need to finish up because we've been here at four o'clock and Friday the 13th of June, the Euro starts tomorrow. John, we've got a few, 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 few previews to come of the Euros. Here's your spiel, what we got coming up. Well, the latest one, we had the England fan yesterday, um, Russell Osborne from um, CIS podcast. I'm saying yesterday, yesterday Monday. Very um, good, I enjoyed it. Seemed a good guy. Yeah, and I see that we've actually been getting a few um, English followers on Twitter um, from that, so that's been well. We will enjoy it when we beat them and we can post enough time to see if they still follow us. (laughs) We've got Wales fan um, Russell Todd from Podcast Pildroid on Friday, Friday 28th at Lance. Um, And then hopefully, then we'll have um, Scotland fan Byron Lynch. I don't know if any of you have heard of the YouTube channel Braveheart Lynch. There's lots of Scotland preview videos, so I'm speaking to him soon. And we'll have a commentator special with uh, Sam Matterface and Rory Hamilton. Yes, and then we will have our... And then I've got, I've, and before our one, sorry, um, the, I've got a triple one with uh, Charles Patterson, Dave McPherson and uh, Graham Easton, the PA at Hamden, all in one night. That's going to be fun. That's good. It was, it I was can't wait for that one. It was, 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 was a special, special, but there's now going to only be two guests, isn't it? I think after the way we've slighted Sky and everyone else. No, I love Sky Sports. You might not be allowed any guests again. Uh, yeah, and then Has Sky been good with me? They gave my boy his fame. So. They did, they did. <laughs> That's the moment of the season. Oh, no. Be, yeah, we like Sky. Uh, so, 9th, 9th of June, though, we have got the Euros preview yes. ahead of Scotland winning the tournament. So, yes. Tune in to all these podcasts. But we've never been busier. But we, see, episode 75, I think we'll be about... What are we going to be at by the time it all comes? on to run it. <sighs> After we've won it about 100. Oh, I want you to buy. Because we'll have the final preview and then um, the final special, and then the aftermath of the final celebration. So, Just be uh, a three-day pass-up on Zoom. Yeah. When we're at it. And then we'll end season 10 two days before season 11. I'm puzzled. If it's going that, to was almost, that was almost as puzzling as Chris talking about the conference again there. If it's going to be a three-day pass-up, we better put the manscape stuff away. I don't know what we'll get up to with that. <laughs> It'll be salt tyres all round. <laughs> uh, no, that's a wrap then for the domestic stuff uh, for the season. But yeah, plenty to come with the Euros. Excitement, positivity. I know you love Scotland, Greg. I am a... Uh... <laughs> You know me. I'm 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 a big tournament guy, so I don't mind. I don't mind a couple of years and watches. I, I almost broke my duck. I was almost. I've not been to Hamden to watch Scotland since it's 1985, I think. Scotland England 1985, and I've always been waiting. 
duck and go back, and I, I was nearly back. It, it was one of the games he played in the qualifiers, and it was it was the game where there was loads of rain. San Marino. San Marino. So I was in I was in Cathcart in the afternoon. I was going to go to the game, but I kind of get in I get in a pub and I get talking to a couple of folk and never really made it at the pub. So I was that close to being back to Hamden, but I never made it. So I'll probably be another. 20 years before I'm, I'm, I'm back in there. But we're watching in the TV. And like I always say, I, I like seeing Scotland do well. Never really crosses my mind to go to the game that much. But yeah, I'll be, I'll be watching on like everybody else and hoping they can, um, hoping they can uh, get, some, get some points on the board. How else did you know what game it was by that rainy game? What's that? Because <laughs> I was at it. <laughs> Surely there's more than one rainy game. Yeah, but that was particularly rainy that night, and it was my mum's birthday as well. It was my mum's 60th that day, so that's how I remember it. Oh, talking so about this. So it's to go with this, didn't it? Go to your mum's 60th, you went to Scotland, San Marino. So did she. All right, fair enough. <laughs> talking about birthdays, we need to wish uh, Laurie, old, old man in the podcast, a happy birthday. He couldn't make it tonight, he said it's his birthday. So we'll give him a happy birthday, won't we? Happy birthday, Laurie. Happy birthday. I'm not giving them a happy birthday. I'm sure somebody will deal with a happy birthday for them. <laughs> Maybe that's what Craig's really did. <laughs> Aye, a wee, a wee uh, happy birthday sausage special. Yeah, because what, who was it? It was somebody, somebody when I was on the podcast one week. That's what was said. It was something about a sausage special. Yeah, so He's giving us a spiel about a plaster or what he actually means as long as he's getting a face out of plaster's radio. <laughs> and on that note, good night and thank you. Cheers, Cheers guys. Cheers. 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 Thank Cheers. you.